to turn things around, to give us a fresh start, to heal our minds, our bodies, and our emotions today, Father. Holy Spirit, without you, we'd just be broken clay. So form us, God, now. As a woman and men of God, you called us to be. With your Holy Spirit, God, teach us all things as the Word says, the Lord, that we gain understanding of what is taught to us, the Lord, that we feel your presence in all that we do, the Lord, that you empower us towards victory today, Father. So God, <laughs> your promise, your word says you'll never leave us alone. If you're this to the very end of the age, you, your promise is said that your words that you sit down will not return to you void today, Father. We stand upon those promises. Your promise is said, Father, we ask of anything. In the name of Jesus will provide it to us, but we have to believe. Your promises, Lord, says if you knock on the door, if we knock on the door, then Lord, you will open up to open it up for us, Father. God, we knock on the door today. The door called life. The door called blessings. The door called prosperity. The door called healing. The door called good health, dear Lord. Open up the floodgates today, Father. Father, we walk into the Lord. Hallelujah. And feel your presence. Be empowered to live a life that's pleasing unto thy sight, dear Lord. Father God, now, those who stand before me, dear Lord, under the sound of my voice, dear Father. Speak into their hearts today, dear Lord. Speak into their minds today, Father. Speak promise to them. Let them feel your presence today, dear Lord. Increase your power in them. Show them, God, that doubt is not of you. That fear is not of you. And we walk in victory in all that we say and all that we do. Because Christ came and paid it all. So, Father, now, place me upon the potter's wheel, dear Lord. I break myself as broken clay. Anoint me from on high. Form me into the man of God you call to be. To be. Spin me around. Breathe the breath of life into me, Father. The words that I speak are only those that you have given unto me to say to thy people today, Father. I'm humbled by your gift. I'm humbled by your presence. I'm humbled by your forgiveness. And I'm humbled by your love. So speak now, God. And let thy power come. In the name of Jesus, we pray. We all say, Amen. 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 Give God a hand praise in his voice. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. While you're yet standing, please turn to Luke the 10th chapter. Luke the 10th chapter. And if you go to our website, go to empowerliving.church and hit the tabs that says Sundays, you get the whole sermon notes there. Amen, 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 amen. Woo! <laughs> I feel fire in this place. We're going to stand, though. We're going to stand in, y'all. Please, please stand with me. See, we stand because we separate this word and we sanctify it because this is God's word. And we believe that the Bible is the undeniable word of God. And I don't know about you. When I go before God, he's speaking. I don't want to be standing. If I'm not standing, I won't be prostrate before him. Amen? Amen. Amen. Get a little water in this place. Amen. 
Luke the 10th chapter, the 38th to the 42nd verse. And it reads as such, the NIV version. And Jesus and his disciples were on their way. He came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary, who said the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. You are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. May a blessing be to the reading, hearing, and doing the word of the Lord. You may rest in the presence of the Most High God. Amen. Today I want to talk to you on the topic of the time barrier. Everything is rushed. We are rushed people. We have a lot to do. You're professionals, your moms, your dads, your list of things to do are long. It's a plethora of things. You can matter of fact, if you didn't pause to sleep, you would just keep on going because there's so many things to do. Quite often you have some young ones. You do pause to sleep, you have to get up again early in the morning because they keep you going. That presents a time barrier. This series we're on is one we're sharing with over 100 churches right now in the city of Charlotte. Some 60,000 people represented on this Sunday. Where we're all preaching from the same topic. It's the Unified Sermon Series. We are believing we're going to take this city for God. Amen? And so we believe that we, we preach the word today in all these 100 plus churches that those who we hear on the sound of a voice will go out and be good neighbors to other people. You know? It's called The Art of Neighboring. It's a series of really art of neighboring. Just think if 60,000 people went out and, and every one of them went and shared the gospel to one person, that's another 60,000 people. That's 120. And then the following month, another, those 120 go out and share the gospel again, that's 240. And it continues to multiply. And the good, the good news of God is being spread throughout the city. We're taking this region for God. It's called the art of neighboring. We're encouraging people to move from being strangers to acquaintances to being in relationship with one another. So at the end of today's sermon, we're going to challenge you to do some things, some simple things, but some things that, to make us become good neighbors. It's called the art of neighboring. The central teaching is of the Lord Jesus Christ is simple and plain. It says, to love God and to love your neighbors as ourselves. And so we're pushing that. We always push it, but we're pushing it collectively together with 100 churches today. In order to take the great commandment seriously, we'll have to push some things and build some relationships with people who are closest and nearest to us. It's important for us to think about that the obstacle that many of us have to making the great commandment seriously, the great commandment is love your neighbors as you love yourself. <coughs> the biggest ob obstacle to take the great commandment seriously is probably time. Time. It's only 24 hours in a day, seven, hours, seven days a week. You think about this. The decade ends in less than three months. Not the year. 
the decade. Now, when I think about the decade, I'm thinking, what did I not accomplish in the last 10 years? Do I have time to complete those things? Think about it. I was watching this comedian. My, my wife and I celebrated our sixth anniversary Thursday. And then we went home after a long day of activities and events. We watched this funny dude on Netflix. Don't talk about me. God's working on me. He's working with me. And we watched it. And he said, if you're in your 40s, you have 30 summers left. Think about that. If you're in your 50s, you have 20 summers left. Let that, that sink in for a second. Let that sink in for a second. That means that I can think back when I was in high school and my summer and what I did and how much fun I had. And the thing that I'll probably never do that again. Because I had to do some other things, right? So time is relevant. Time is important. And we put things in perspective. And we think about fulfilling the great commandment. Time is relevant. We need to put things, you know, what's the main thing? When we say I don't have time to get to, to know our neighbors, what we're saying is I don't consider knowing our neighbors as important as everything else around me. It's important. It's important to get to, we don't have much time left here. How many souls have you won? For the last two, three months, we've been encouraging people to share the gospel of Jesus with somebody. Because you don't want to get before the Lord and you stand before him and he's going over your life and you have no record of sharing the gospel. That you have no record of bringing someone to the cross. You have no record of adding to his kingdom, a soul to his kingdom. I don't want to get to heaven and Jesus say, well, you got here, but what? who's behind you? I don't want to get there and that be my record. I want to stand before the Lord and say, well, we baptized this many, we saved this one, and this one over here. I tried to get that one, but, I, you know, I tried. I rather that be my record than saying, oh, I got here by myself. I'm here. <clears throat> Because I want to look witness for me. Amen. Don't you want Jesus to say something good about you? So, but it says, he teaches us to pray, as it is in heaven, it shall be where? On earth. Let's get busy here on earth. We have to make the main thing the main thing. In Luke, the 10th chapter, we read about Mary and Martha, and they're having this discussion with Jesus, and Mary is, is fussing, and she's, well, no, Mary's not fussing. Martha is fussing Jesus, and he says, Lord, don't you care that my sister left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. And Jesus replied to her, Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but a few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better. It will not be taken away from her. You see, Mary was one who was caring for our Lord and Savior Jesus. Sometimes we have to put things in perspective and say, make the main thing the main thing. Look, for instance, I applaud you for coming to church on Sunday. I, I applaud you for not watching the Panthers. Recording it. <laughs> and the score is... No, it's <laughs> I applaud you. I applaud you because we have to make the main thing the main thing. I, if I think about all the things 
things Jesus has saved me from and all the things he has done for me, all the good things he does, I want to shout hallelujah, but I also want to go to church. Because I want to be around people who believe the same way that I believe. Who believe in a, in a, in a living, dying, and resurrected, and living Jesus. Yes. I, I, I want to celebrate the goodness and greatness of Jesus. So the main thing is the main thing. I, so I come to church, and I applaud you for coming to church. What little bit to give a couple of hours for what he did for the course of a whole week. Amen. That's not much to ask. That's, that's a little bit to ask. But somehow, some way, we think we brown sugar and we don't want to come out in the rain because we may melt away. Amen. <laughs> but I applaud you. The story of the two sisters teaches us that we must live counterculturally in order to experience the life that Jesus wants us to live. We must learn how to say no to good things so we can say yes to the main thing. We have to say no to some good things to say yes to the main things. I, I, I decided that I was going to do something nice for my wife and I was going to take her out and I, I, I wanted to say, man, I wanted to say um, no. I, I go to the symphony because I think I'm just trained to go to the symphony. But would I rather go to a movie? Yes. <laughs> My favorite actor, one of my favorite actors, came out with a movie Thursday, and I've been watching Will Smith for, I don't know, 20 plus years. And I had to say no to say yes to the symphony. But man, the symphony was so nice. I was so pleased and happy that I went and we celebrated our anniversary there because the Morehouse Glee Club sang, and they turned it out. Man, they brought it. Man, they had the seven last words of unarmed black men. And they went down, seven people who, seven brothers who were killed by the police officers and what their last words were. And they gave that presentation before a multicultural audience who didn't quite understand why the seven last words were so relevant. But after they went down and gave the seven words, they did it in song, you can see tears starting to form and well up in people's eyes as they reflected on the fact that these seven black men were real people. They were real. And that they're not forgotten. And that the community doesn't see them as criminals, but we see them as people who lived lives, who had families, who had emotions. And if I hadn't taken the time out to experience that, I don't think I would be as fulfilled as a brother in America today. So I'm excited about it if I took time. The main thing is the main thing. And Matthew, well, yesterday, I changed my whole sermon yesterday. This sermon was given <coughs> to me yesterday. I was praying yesterday. And I've been in the season of prayer. I'm really going before the Lord with great intensity and intentionality. I've been intentional about going before God. For other people and just for myself as well. I really want to see what God has to say in the season as we come to a close of a decade. The close of a decade. Think about that. Who was around for 1999? And the close of the millennium. Remember that? And we thought for a second that it was going to shut down. Amen? I actually worked in the White House in the office of the millennium because they were so concerned about computers and, and the like. And I did this, uh, we did this celebration. Uh, we did a time capsule. I want to be around to see the time capsule. 
We did a time capsule, put it in the ground, and we had the president first lady come out. We did this big celebration. And I remember we did all these wonderful things thinking, like, this is it. So we're going to get this all in right now. <laughs> this is it. <laughs> we're going to war or something. So I was praying yesterday, and they gave me these three things. I want to share these three things with you. Three things. So it's not the initial sermon I was going to give, but this is the one that God gave me yesterday. And I want to give it to you today. It's fresh and hot off the press. The first thing he said to me was the relationship with God. Lesson one, it's about the relationship with God. That's one of the main things. Keep the main thing the main thing, your relationship with God. And how does one do that? Through prayer, through fasting, through meditation? Those, keep the main thing the main thing. Only way to embark upon a relationship with God is when you have a prayer life with God, when you communicate with God on a regular basis. That's where your relationship starts to form with God. And then he said to me, studying God's word, writing and recording. Studying God's word, writing and recording. I have a book in me. I have about three or four or five books in me. I have not written one book. But I get the main thing, the main thing. Why do I read, right? I, I moved to the place to live in a place where I could write, where I could sit across the water and write. And I hadn't written my book yet. Because I haven't taken time out to do it. So God said, who's going to remember you that you were even here? Who's going to remember that you were even here? I don't know who's going to remember how my legacy will be, but I know one thing. I'm going to leave something behind. Like we left that time capsule to pick it up in 50 years. We put little things in it so that the country can look back in 50 years and say this is where we were 50 years ago. Where's your book that you have inside of you to write? If you can't write today, we have digital recording. You can record your life so that your great-grandkids can know who you were. Record your life so that the so that when people look at this, who are we? Well, I know I came from Arkansas. But my people were captive in Africa, and there is no ocean in Arkansas. So my people from Arkansas, I have to tell you, no, they're not. That's as far as I can go back. But if somebody would have recorded our history, I would know beyond that. So we're in a generation now that there's no need for your great, great grandkids not to know where you came from or who they are, or what makes them who they are. You got to make the main thing the main thing. <coughs> Study God's word, write, and record. And it says, good relationship with God means serving his people through church and your ministry. See, my calling is my church. And I'm excited about whatever comes my way, I'm excited about that I'm fulfilling the calling that God placed upon me. The sacrifices we made was no sacrifice, we're just being obedient to God. What is your ministry? See, everybody has a ministry. We're all ministers of the gospel if you say that you're saved. You have a responsibility to share the good news. There's no way out of it. There's no, there's no, it's not an option. It's the main thing. It had to be the main thing. What's the main thing? It's to build a relationship with God. The word of the Lord says this in Matthew chapter 6, 25 through 27. 33, 34, it says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you eat or drink, or about your body, what you, what you wear. If, is not life more than food? Is not life more than food? And the body more than clothes? 
Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not as much valuable than they? Can any of you, any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? Mm -mm. Verse 33 says this, But seek thee first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. But seek thee first. Keep the main thing, the main thing. Keep God's relation with God first and foremost. Beyond anything else, keep the main thing, the main thing. Don't let time become your barrier. Number two, he told me this. He said, it's your relationship with your family. Really, he told me the relationship with my spouse. But so I tell you guys, the relationship with your family. And, and it says, this, you know, there's three things he told me I have to do, and three things I'm going to share with you, but he tells me, and I believe it's true for all of us. He says, for a man, a husband is to be provide security through financial provision. That's your main thing. Bruh, that's your main thing. Number two, says, love, and number this is touchy. And like her. Quite often we're with people, we love them. But man, we sure enough don't. But you gotta love and you gotta like them. You know, even when you know it gets hot and heavy and you're going to and fro from one another, ah. You gotta love and you gotta like them. I have to learn to have to hold my tongue. I hold my tongue a lot. I lose. I don't think I've ever won a fight yet in my marriage. <laughs> Are you want to fight yet? Are you want to fight? I've never. I, I go into it losing. <clears throat> I learned to give a little push, just a little bit, so it, so it makes it a little harder for her, but I, I know I'm going to lose. <laughs> Number three, spend time with her and money on her. Because where you spend your money is where your heart is. That's right. <laughs> That's right. So if that's, if, you know, so for me, it's, you know, my relationship with my spouse, but to us, it's a relationship with our families. In, in 1 Timothy 5 8, it says this, anyone who does not provide for their relatives, especially for their own household, has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. That's deep. Make the main thing, the main thing. So this is number two priority. First priority is relationship with God. The second priority Relationship with your spouse, relationship with those who live in your house. First Peter says this. You know, it's a long, but I don't take out the context because it's tricky. First Peter 3, 1 through 7 says this. Wives, in the same way, submit yourselves to your own husbands so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives. It's well for a lot of people in the church. When they see the purity and reverence of your lives, your beauty should come out, should not come from outward adornments such as elaborate hairstyles and the wearing of gold jewelry or fine clothes. I don't think the generation read this verse because everybody has a little extra. You know, matter of fact, somebody in the church makes a living off of making grills because I, who saw a grill? I haven't seen a grill. When was the last time you saw a grill? Right, but they're wearing them. It's popular to wear a grill. Rather, it should be that your inner self and the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. For this is the way holy women of the past who put their hope in God used to adorn themselves. 
Somebody said that, uh, what, what you mean you don't believe in Halloween? You believe in Halloween? I saw this on Facebook. You got the wig, the eyelashes, the paint, the nails. What do you mean you don't believe in Halloween? Halloween is every day. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I mean, you put that in perspective, you're like, whoa, you know. I saw a sister with some red hair, and it reminded me of who, who has red hair? Who has red hair? Janet Jackson. No, I mean bright red hair. <laughs> Janet Jackson did. Well, I thought, first thing I thought about was Ronald McDonald. Because Ronald McDonald had the red hair, and he had the extra foundation, and the, and the eyelash, and everything, the lipstick. And I was like, but she was too young to know Ronald McDonald, so she didn't even know what she was looking like. My big man. But anyway. They submitted themselves to their own husbands, like Sarah, who obeyed Abraham and called him her Lord. You are you are her daughters if you do what is right and do not give away your fear to fears. But he said, husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner, as an heir and and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life, so that nothing will hinder your prayers. Make the main thing the main thing. Number three, he told me, is my relationship with your health. Ah. When we first started the church, when I first started the church, I nearly died. Literally. No, literally. I, I pretty much died. I was on life support. I went in for an outpatient surgery. 10 to 15 minutes, I was supposed to be under anesthesia. I think I was on anesthesia, what, six, eight hours? It was a long time. Six, eight hours, they put me on life support because I had nearly died. They had tape on my eyes, I was told, and on life support, and Rachel was there, but she left and went and got Romeo and came back, and I was still under, and, and it made me realize that I haven't really worked out to, since then because a concern that I had because of that Come to find out that I'm allergic to a particular anesthesia. Native Americans are allergic to this anesthesia. So now I know, like most black folk, we say we have, we part Indian. I can actually say it for real now. I don't really tell people, I'm, I, I mean, but I, I nearly died because anesthesia Native Americans are allergic to. So now every time I go, I have to have a letter. If I ever go for surgery again, a letter saying, don't give him this. And, and it all boiled down to this. When I, and I woke up and I realized that it took me a couple of days, maybe a week, to realize that I almost died because I didn't know. I was asleep. But my wife saw it. Romeo saw it. And so I thought about the turmoil to see your loved one laying there nearly dead. And it realized to me that what, is, what does a wealthy man want towards the end? He wants what? Help. What's a poor man want towards the end? Help. Help. It doesn't matter how you sum it up, or you can't, you know, there's, you can't buy it, most of us. In a particular time when God says it's done, it's done. It's done. But so there's some things we can do to change the course of the end. I don't know about you, but I want to go sleeping. <laughs> 
You know what I'm saying? I don't want to go and, and, you know, we're watching TV. Lady was 700 some odd pounds. She lost 300 pounds because the pressure, the stress on her heart was so great. She was about to go back to college as a lighter woman. And before she could get to class, she had a heart attack and died. You get the main thing, the main thing. You have to eat well, work out daily, and visit your doctor. Men, visit your doctor. Men, visit your doctor regularly. See, we don't go as often because we, you know, we don't have to. We just figure, hey, it, I'm walking. <laughs> but women, they go more regularly because they have to. But men, we have to as well. And, and you know, this sounds like a worldly conversation, but the Bible says this in 1 Corinthians 6, 19 to 20. It says, do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit? Who is in you? Who you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. That's what it says right here. It goes on. We are, we're in a season of prayer here in, in, in October here at the church. We're believing in the healing power of God. We are beseeching God. We're searching after God. We're chasing after God for healing. Jeremiah 33, 6 and 9 says this. Nevertheless, I bring health and healing to it. I will heal my people and will let them enjoy abundance, peace, and security. I will bring Judah and Israel back from captivity and build them up as they were before. I will cleanse them from all the sin they have committed against me, and I will forgive all their sins of rebellion against me. Then this city will bring me renown, joy, praise, and honor before all the nations on earth that hear all of all the good things I do for it, and they will be in awe and will tremble at the abundant prosperity and peace I provide for it. Nevertheless, he says, I'll bring health and healing, prosperity, abundant prosperity and peace I will provide. I took two scriptures and put them together. Nevertheless, I will bring health and healing to it, and abundant prosperity and peace I provide for it. I will bring health and healing Abundant prosperity and peace I will provide. You have to understand, the first, keep the main thing, the main thing. Don't let time be your barrier to completing what God has set up. I say the three things he told us, relationship with God, relationship with your family, and, and, and then relationship with your health. Those are the three things, the most, more than three things, because after those three things, everything else will flow. Everything else will flow. Your business will flourish. Because everything will be in order. See, if you really believe who God is, and you know for a fact that no matter what you do, you can't lose when you're on God's side. So how do you strengthen the, the strongest tool you have in your toolkit? Is your relationship with God. So when you pray, you pray with the intensity and understanding. He says, I will heal, I will bring health and healing to it, abundant prosperity and peace. That's what we want. How's your prayer life? When was the last time you spent an hour on your face before God? When was the last time you said prayer beyond good morning, Father, thank you for this morning, when you sat down and ate a meal, or when you went to bed? When have you really laid out before the Lord and sought after him with all that you have inside of you? But see, he told me the three things, and I believe it to be true because the word of God says it right here. 
Those are the only three things that matter. So I have to make time for those things. I have to make time for those things. Jesus was a man. Throughout the New Testament, his life was full of specific rhythms that he had. He had rhythms. He didn't do things just because. What Jesus did was he, in Mark 1.35, it says, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. See, you understand, make the main thing the main thing. The main thing is I have to get before the Lord, my God, my Father. See, even if he was Emmanuel, God with us, he understood that there's some relationship that had to come before everything else in his life. Even though he knew the outcome was going to be victory, he knew that he had to go before his God, his Father, and pray. And so before he came in contact with anybody else, the first thing he did was pray. How's your prayer life? How's your relationship with God? I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you today to, to really, God is waiting for us to come and walk into his open arms. God is waiting for us to really say, God, I love you and mean it. Yes. By our actions. Jesus, Luke 4, chapter 4, verse 42 and 44, it says, at daybreak, Jesus went out to a solitary place. The people were looking for him, and when they came to where he was, they tried to keep him from leaving them. But he said these things. He said, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns also, because that is why I was sent. He kept on preaching in the synagogues of Judea. See, Jesus kept the main thing the main thing. See, he was healing people, and they were loving what he had to say in that community. We understood that he had a mission. He had, he had to share the good news of God, his Father. So, yes, I shared it with you, but I had to go on to somebody else. You got to keep the main thing the main thing. You have a family. Yes, that's wonderful. You need to, you're responsible to share the good news to that family. You're responsible. The word of the Lord says that it's your responsibility to take care of those who are in your own household. But, but, but the commandment, the great commandment said, love your neighbor as you love yourself. So we have a responsibility like Jesus to share the good news beyond our own household, but those who whom we have connection. So I, I encourage you. This week, spend one hour in your front yard. Spend one hour walking around the neighborhood. Be available so that your neighbors can witness God through you. Be available. It's called the art of neighboring. I'm not asking you to go out and preach the news. You know, I was riding down the street on the west side, and the guy had a speaker out, and he had a white uniform on, and he was preaching the gospel. And I'm like, whoa, that's a calling. It can't be me, but that's a calling. It can't knock you. I was in, I was in Uptown. And you go to Uptown, who been Uptown, you heard a guy on a bicycle screaming, Jesus saves. Jesus saves. Amen? All right, so no one's asking you to do those two things. So everything else should be easy. 
Unless you want to set up and ride a bike through uptown and scream out, Jesus saves! That is not my ministry. Father, please, please, please don't. I'm not dissing. I'm just saying you didn't call me to that. So if you see me out there doing it, you just know that God told me to do it because I'm not trying to go out there. All we're asking you to spend an hour with somebody just in your neighborhood. Luke 9, 28 says this. About eight days after Jesus said this, he took Peter, James, Peter, John, and James with him and went up onto a mountain to pray. See, in the midst of all these things, there's a reality that comes along with it. Not everybody can hang with you. See, there were 12 disciples. When Jesus did his greatest work, he only took three people. He took Peter, James, and John. See, when you can't keep the main thing the main thing, but Jesus says, well, I, I'll take the people who can keep the main thing the main thing. Not everybody's going to make it on your journey with you. Even Jesus understood that he only took those who believed the most with him. Those three. So when he was about to be transfigured, when he was about to be really filled with the anointing of, of God to fall upon him fresh and new, he took the three who could really grab hold of what was going on. Because not everybody can appreciate the blessing God has for you. They can't understand how God is blessing you. But if you do those three things, I'm telling you, God's going to bless you abundantly because it says here, I'll give you good health, <laughs> healthy and abundant prosperity, and peace. So, let me close this out. What I'm saying to you is this, is don't let time be your barrier. It's coming to the end of a decade. It's so exciting to know that we got three months to get it in. Now, see, you may have prayed these things in year one of the decade that haven't come to pass. Let me tell you, God is not done working on things just yet. He's just waiting for us just to, you know, I told the brother, I did this, do these videos, and I said, man, I, I, I'm expecting God. God told me to do these videos, and so I'm just doing them to the best that I can do them, how, how they're going. I want to do I don't know what it is, but God has told me that he's going to bless me beyond the vision that I have. So I'm being obedient to what God has told me to do. And I find that as long as I, you know, I don't care what people say or how people do or whatever they do, as long as I know that I'm doing what God told me to do. That's what all of us to be like, just, you know, it may sound crazy to some, but let it be crazy because God is not crazy. God wants to know, are you faithful? Do you love me by your actions? Do you love me by your time? Now you spend your time. So I can't do all these other wonderful things. I'm keeping the three things. I'm For the end of the year, I'm going to try this thing out here. I'm going to do these three things and that's it. My relationship with God, my relationship with my wife and family, and my health. That's it. I'm all, everything else is secondary. That's right. Everything else is secondary. I'm going to be at church. I'm supposed to be at church. I'm going to be studying. I'm supposed to be studying. I'm going to pray. I'm supposed to be praying. I'm going to go to the gym. I'm supposed to go to the gym. I'm going to be with my wife. I'm supposed to be with my wife. When I got some money, I'm going to give it to her. <laughs> the main thing has to be the main thing. 